Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Music Is Not A Genre's Podfast. I'm going to get right into it. This is Podfast. Oh, that is so sweet. Usually, Podfast is so violent and aggressive, but this time it just kind of, you see, I, and I mean, it's blocking my face, so it's kind of maybe passive aggressive, but we can fix that, okay? So thank you for not hitting me in the face this time, at least. Hold on one second. Okay. <laughs> All right, now we have re- reset, restarted. This is podcast number 11. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening. I'm going to get right into it because it's a podcast. We don't want to mess around with the usual stuff. Uh, the title of this one is Tell Me How You Really Feel About Genres. So the reason I'm doing this is because I've gotten a lot of new listeners lately. I'm part of the Pantheon Podcast Network now, which, by the way, just recently signed on to be the official podcasters for Metallica. So that's kind of freaking awesome. And I'm really happy to be a part of the family. But it does mean I've gotten a bunch of new listeners. And hello out there, whether you're watching or listening, it is so wonderful to have you. So I thought I'd give a quick summary of what my podcast is, why it's called MXG, Music is Not a Genre. Uh, There's the hand gesture, sort of, and how I really feel about genres. And I also want to get how you feel about genres, because I know there are people out there who are very passionate about genres that they love. And there are people who are passionate about, you know, not uh, adhering to genres. And you'll see where my answer falls in, in terms of that. So if you are listening now, or better yet, if you're watching, I know two things about you. One is you love music more than the average person. There's a lot of programming out there for free or for pay or whatever. And if you're spending time with me, it's got to be because you love music. I mean, you could love me, you know, and the humor, but I have a feeling it's more about the music and that's totally fine. And second thing I know about you is that you are getting this for free. I don't charge for any of my episodes. Who does? I mean, podcasts are streaming. This this streams where all podcasts stream. My YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at music is not a genre, has all of the video versions of this, as well as so many others, over 600 videos there. So I know that you're getting this for free. And what I want to say about that is I love sharing. I always have. I love providing 
uh, any kind of, you know, that swear word content that could mean anything. But what it means for me is music and podcasting and all the things that, that are peripheral around that graphic design. I have a t-shirt. If you go to nickdematio.com, you get to see and hear all of that stuff. Hit shop and you can check out what mugs and t-shirts I have and all of that. So I like to provide things for free, but this also takes time and effort and resources to produce. So whether you're a longtime fan, which I am so happy you're here, Patrick, I'm talking about you especially, uh, or you're a newbie, which I know there are many of you, it's awesome to have you here. It's the conversation. I always say at the end of each episode, music, conversation, and connection, and I absolutely mean that. But I have to say that things are kind of getting crazy and they're getting a little heated up on many fronts and they're getting a little critical, which means... In order for me to continue what I'm doing, which, uh, as I've said in my regular episodes, I've decided to make this a year-round endeavor instead of just a you know 40-week thing, I'll be uh, doing programming almost every single week of the year, a couple weeks off here and there. In order to keep that up and to enhance everything I'm doing, research and the uh, you know technical side of things and all of that, and to garner more listeners... I need resources, which means I need you, which means uh, point blank, uh, I need money. That's that's how this is done. So please take a moment to go to patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Patreon.com slash music is not a genre. And try it out for free for a week. You get a whole week to figure out if you like this at all and are willing to contribute some amount. And if not, opt out you're fine if you if you hang on you can go for as little as five dollars a month you can go as high as fifty thousand dollars you know I, that's that's my favorite i've got a t-shirt that says give me fifty thousand dollars and there's a there's a reason for that you have to check out the fun manifesto that i put out in 2022 but please think about supporting music is not a genre i really appreciate that and my band rec recarea.bandcamp.com so this genre thing right why do i do this First of all, you should know one thing, which is I love nuance and I love duality. Now, nuance, it's important to me because there's a lack of it online. It's not that there's a lack of it. There is nuance online, but it's very hard to get people to pay attention to it. Things that are done quickly, memes and whatever else, can't have nuance. They rarely do unless the person was clever enough to kind of pair a a photo with a text that gives it some kind of contrasting, you know, dual meaning, whatever it is. You know, so I, I value being able to provide nuance and being able to hear nuance. So if you are coming at me and saying you dislike something or whatever, I'm not just going to take that at face value and be like, well, screw you. I, I, we disagree. I'm going to ask why, and we're going to have a conversation. The duality that's just me. I mean, it's a it's a yin yang thing. It's uh, for some reason, uh, I'm it's always twos for me. So let's say a perfect example: if I left my glasses upstairs, um, I'm probably not going to go get them. I'll probably hang out. But if I left my glasses and my water upstairs, well, now now I have enough of a reason to go up and do it. There's a two, you know. Always wanting things in twos can get you in a little bit of trouble here and there. But for the most part, it's kind of it's kind of cool, and it's just how I work. And it's no less true for the name of this podcast. Why did I call it Music Is Not A Genre? I've gone over the history of it, how I started a blog in 2016, how the following year I started recording new music for a, a 
big project that at the time I was calling music is not a genre, how the two of them merged when I realized that wasn't a great name for the albums that I was putting out, that uh, eventually that name became the name of the podcast, which I started in late 2019 and went, you know, wide in 2020, 2021, really. And, and so that's where it came from. But the reason I called it that, again, there are two reasons. The duality. No one kind of music or artist should be confined to its genre limitations. And I've said that before, and that's why I say music is not a genre. No kind of music is, is it's very rarely so purely one genre. Let's say that. And the second thing is music itself should not be separated from the rest of the world. Uh, and, it, and it isn't. Uh, music is probably the one art that we all have in common. There are a lot of people who don't watch TV, maybe don't see a film, maybe they don't read. Maybe they're not into dance or things like that. But you probably can't go a day without hearing some kind of music somewhere, even if it's a teeny little snippet of something. And the fact that music has infiltrated, is it's been a part of society since before society existed, really, in, in many ways. I think it's important to always bring the real world into what we're talking about. And so... And to not separate how music is interpreted, how it is absorbed, how how it is created from the things that affect it in the world and the things that music affects. And so I called it for the, that for those reasons, but I also called it that because I was frustrated. I had put out an album, a rec album in 2015, which uh, is right there. I'm pointing to it. It's the yellowish one, the Sunshine Seminar. Look it up, Wreck the Sunshine Seminar. It's to date, I believe, the most uh, well, uh, most streamed album of of Wrecks so far, and it was doing fine. But I realized that Wreck itself is hard to classify. The music I do is hard to classify, and because of that, it's hard to market. So I got frustrated, and I realized there's a difference between marketing and creation and if marketing is driving creation that can that can really give, get you into trouble creation should drive marketing but that is one of the hardest things to do especially for a creative person who may not be strong on the business side hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So, you know, what I mean by that is music uh, creators know they always get asked the question, what kind of music do you do? What's it sound like? And there are, again, two. I'm going to be a lot of twos in this podcast. And, and this first answer to that is you should have an answer for it. So I uh, reduced rec to electro power pop. The electro meaning electronic elements could be fully electronic, partially electronic. Power meaning there's rock involved in there and and funk and, and a hard driving beat sometimes, things like that. And pop because I try to make everything I do in some way accessible and to craft it in a way that is uh, easy to digest, even though there may be bits of nutrition in there that you don't pick up right away that, that end up being the kind of sticking, uh, you know, staying power that the music has. You should have an answer. You know, they talk about in business an elevator pitch or give me your 15 second, give me your 30, give me your one minute. You should be able to answer all of those if you're creating music. It sucks, but it's true. But you should also have the right to say, to then say, but that's not all it is. In fact, I'm not sure how to categorize it. The best way to categorize it is for you to listen to it and you tell me what you hear. Now, that's not business side kind of, no, that that doesn't work. But on the creative side, I think that's extremely important. You know, like I say, electro power pop, that's what rec is. But there's there's ambient and instrumental and progressive and hip hop and and R and B and and techno and all of these things that are thrown in there and it's how I like it and it's how I'm always going to do it. Uh, so as I'm kind of alluding to here, music creators have to be both a, an artist and a business person. That's just how it is. And the business isn't just this cut and dry thing where you're trying to make money from it. Yes, you are, but it's also connecting with fans. It's also it, it, it's also creating a community around your music and, and all of that. And um, oddly enough, that's the whole reason genres were created to begin with. As as the music industry took off early in the last century, uh, businesses and companies had to figure out how to market it. And, you know, they didn't always make great decisions, but the decisions always revolved around well, we have to label it something. And those labels became what we know of today as genres. And it makes sense. And on that level, I'm going to get into why that's okay when I answer the question, tell me how I really feel about genres. That, now, that, that being said, that's a label. It shouldn't limit what we create or how we create. You know, put a label on something and somebody listens to it. If you listen to, oh, I don't know, you, you say, oh, Ozzy Osbourne's heavy metal, and then you listen to the song Goodbye to Romance or something like that. I know I'm, I'm really, it's a real throwback. Uh, if you didn't know the artist and didn't know the genre, you might listen to that and say that, that I that's just a power ballad, whatever, you know. But it's on that great album, and it's Ozzy Osbourne, so it gets classified as, as heavy metal. Just another example. Music, my music in particular, Rex music. I make it easy to like. 
I make it easy to get into. You know, I don't mess around. I, I do mess around, but I mess around in ways that are subversive, that don't take away from the picture of the whole, which is I give you a plate of food and it looks good to eat. And then you don't realize maybe until you start eating it that, oh my God, the flavor is amazing. And it's got all of these nutrients in there that make you want to come back for more. You know, my fans tend to be people who either like my voice meaning my actual physical or the way it sounds. That for, I think for most people, that's a huge thing. If it's not instrumental music, you have to like the person's voice. You know, If you're not a Cure fan, it may be because you don't like Robert Smith's voice, something like that. But they also like my voice in terms of the lyrics that I'm putting out and the, the way I create music, how I am expressing myself, that kind of, you know, that, that definition of the word voice. But B, my fans also like all kinds of music. You know, I, I know other bands who do one specific kind of music. In some ways, that's easier, and it's wonderful. It, it means that they're going to get fans who only like that kind of music, or maybe not only, but who particularly like that kind of music, uh, among others. But I, I, I appeal to fans, Rec appeals to fans who remember that the radio, uh, which was a device that people listened to back by, by the way, uh, you know, the FM dial and AM dial even would often have stations that would go everywhere on the map in terms of playing music. And that's how I grew up. And I did not stick to one kind of music listening or playing ever. And that's how I create music. So that's how, that's where my fans. And once, once I set myself free from only being power pop, and having everything have to stick to that, which was never quite that sticky, but it was, you know, stickier at the beginning of Wreck. Then Wreck was free to become what it was always meant to be, which is a representation of my world, of the world in my head and in my heart, you know, that is music, that is the world itself. Again, music not separated from the world. This is how I create music. I, I mean, great, programmatic music. You get an album with 10 songs and they all kick your face in that's the mood you're in that's perfect i prefer an album that takes you through a journey and through different facets of existence whether it's a, you know an ep or a 14 20 song album a double album triple album that goes everywhere because that's life to me and that's that's my experience so do i what how do i really feel about genres and this is where i want you to be thinking because i want to hear your answer too um, do I hate them? Because that's from the title. Music is not a genre. Damn it. There's always a damn it in there, you know. Uh, well, duality again. Yes and no. And why do I hate them? Why do I not like them? Well, again, it's because of confinement, because people misinterpret a label as meaning a definition. So, you know, uh, this is where the world comes in, right? I am a man. I am a male. Now, you have a definition of what a male is or is quote-unquote supposed to be. Some of that may apply to me, some of it may not. You know, there are other qualities I have that, uh, that people might say, well, they're, they're not traditionally male or, or whatever it is. And that's why we're going through all of this gender, you know, uh, pronouns and things like that today because people are realizing more than ever that it's fine if you want to say I'm a he, him, or a, or a she, they, or whatever it is. But even that, don't that shouldn't be interpreted as that's the definition of me. It's a shorthand. All genres and all labels are shorthands. 
and that's what gets me about them. It's it's like it's like anything else. Technology is a tool. It's neither good nor evil. It's how you use it. You know, knowledge itself, same thing. Genres, labels, they're neither good nor evil. They're a tool. And if you use it to say, well, you said you're this, so that's all you can be, then that's your problem. That's not the genre's problem. But the fact that genres promote that kind of thinking is why I dislike them. You know, it's the same with race. It's the same, again, with gender. It's the same with class. It's the same with ideology. If you say you are a progressive or a conservative, but then you have a belief that falls outside of that, there were people who looked down on you because they said, well, no, you, you said your ideology was this. So you have to stick to that. But that's a label. And that label shouldn't confine you from, you know, going elsewhere that might go beyond what that label is. And on a purely artistic level, genres have deterred artists from exploring parts of themselves that they feel fall outside how they're supposed to sound, quote unquote. And uh, that's a shame because the artists who are the most iconic are the ones who never really gave that much thought or did and said, screw it and went any, everywhere anyway. I always talk about Bowie. I always talk about Prince. I always talk about the Beatles and so, so many others. And please tell me your artists who you feel jump from genre to genre. You know, 70s, 80s, like Chicago is another one that, that I always talk about. It's also deterred fans from listening to new things because as soon as they hear a label, if it's not in their wheelhouse, they say, I'm probably not going to like that. And that was partly by design when genres were created by the marketing people and by the businesses, they targeted certain groups. So, you know, for for worse, I will say that there used to be something called race music. It was because it was targeted to African-Americans, etc. And, you know, that blew up to become so many other different things that are much better labeled, but still labeled. So if you're somebody who hears, oh, a song is R&B and you're only into country, you might be missing out on something that you actually would love. And the fact that that is a genre name is preventing you, you know, mentally from going there. And so you don't even bother. So that, that, those are the reasons why I really dislike genres. And there, I'm sure there are others. But why do I like them? Okay, because they do serve that shorthand connective purpose. They, they, they give, it's a door. And this is a perfect example. The perfect way to describe it is that a genre name label is a door. It's not the room itself. When you get into that room, there could be a whole bunch of things in there. You know, let's say there's a door to the bathroom. You expect there to be bathroom type things in that room, but then you get in there and it's got a bookshelf and it's got uh, speakers where you can listen to music and all of these things. That's because, why Why is that? Because the, the label, the genre, the name is just the door to get you in. And I like it for that reason, because if it's something that says to you, well, it's this kind of music or a subgenre with, with a lot of hyphens, that's wonderful. It helps you say, oh, okay, so I might be expecting this. I'll go into that door and I'll see what's there. It's a narrow entry into a much larger world. The other reason I kind of like genres, and this is my dirty secret, is you, if you've noticed, I like classification. I like organization. When I do my chronography, which look it up, you know, listening to an artist's catalog, primary catalog in chronological order, I, I love that organization. Uh, I try, I, I have numbers for everything 
Death is Dumb 11, you know, but it's also season five, episode whatever. And I love all of that. And I, I listen to the History of English podcast. I interview Kevin Stroud, on, on the host of that, on this pod, this podcast here. And it's partly because the way he breaks down the English language, it 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 shows both that that duality. It shows how things are classified and how the relation is. There's an evolution to it. And the one-to-one relationship from one word to another or from an old version of the word to new version of the word, but it also shows it's living and it's dirty and it's malleable and there's connective tissue all over the place from German to English to Latin to Greek and, and all of that stuff. And I... And I love that, like I did a thing with the podcast that there are only eight genres or whatever, and I said, well, I saw a list of 14,000 genres. That excited me. Now, I didn't read the whole list because that's crazy, and, but I knew that there were, I already knew that there were ones missing on there, which means there's probably like 25,000 genres or whatever. But it's so cool that, you know, whether you like genealogy or, or uh, you know, like Darwinian, you know, all, you know, evolution and all of that, that you, you, I like the idea of being able to say, well, you know, uh, country music and then rhythm and blues and then it becomes rock and roll and then rock and roll offshoots into this and that and the other. It's fun to do that. So that's sort of my dirty secret. And, and so I'm not somebody who really does hate uh, the genres if you're, if they're used properly. I just don't like what they represent and the thinking, the type of thinking they represent. And I think it's awesome to describe things like the characteristics of how screamo differs from emo. There's an, there's an example, you know, but also know that when you say emo, what kind of emo do you mean? I did an emo episode and I talked about how there was proto emo and then there was the emo that I knew, which was like Sunny Day Real Estate. And then there was the emo of like Jimmy Eat World and the emo pop emo of things like Fall Out Boy and Blink-182 and all of that. It's, it's, uh, that's something I love to explore. And it's partly why the word genre is in the name of my podcast. When I did Rex, uh, The Weird Objective, which is here, boom, see my finger pointing to it? which was four EPs in an album back in 2020. Why did I say it was the weird objective? Well, it was because my objective was to make each album programmatic, which is not something I enjoy doing. And I wanted to challenge myself to do that, to say, well, what's that like? How will that come out? And I, I wanted to set aside the usual wreck amalgam and dive headlong into exploring genres to their fullest, or as full as I can do it. So one was kind of ambient lo-fi, and one was kind of a harder dark techno, and one was straight-ahead rock and and pop rock, and one was R&B and hip-hop and dance and all the stuff that falls in there, and then the other one was more of a regular rec album. I I haven't done that, and I don't mind that, because I'd rather make a rec song that includes elements of all of those things in the one song, which is how Rex's new album, which is coming out soon, is going to be. I'm going to release some singles this year in the album, probably early next year, and uh, and at the end of this episode, you get snippets of some of the songs on that album, which uh, if you're on patreon.com slash music is not a genre, you get the full songs. Uh, as such as they are now. They may change, they will be mixed and mastered and all of that stuff. But I wanted the weird objective to be this thing that I use to say, well, how far can I go in that direction without trying to make it into a wreck thing, even though it falls under the wreck umbrella. That's why I made up those fake band names to go with each album to say, well, this was a, you know, um, a collaboration with this particular band 
that doesn't really exist because the band name suggested the type of music that I was going for, right? But other than that, and again, certainly with the new album, my my MO is to mix it up, is to, put, is to let anything come in that comes in. I, I'm not the person who says, well, I, I'm making this, you know, hard rock song that all of a sudden I hear this weird keyboard or I hear some other, you know, thing. And now I can't go in there because that's not the type of song it is. Oh, no. If I'm hearing it, it needs to go in there, you know, and, and it may take part of it out or whatever. But that's how I like to make music. And 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 on the sampler at the end of this episode, you're going to hear it's a quick sampler. It's like two or three minutes. You're going to hear electro pop. You're going to hear kind of an easy listening uh, retro feel thing. You're going to hear a, like a grungy mo power pop. On the album itself, you're going to get also techno and hip hop and experimental, progressive and folk and lo-fi ambient and more. And that's that's a wreck album. And it's probably the wreckiest wreck album that's ever been made because the weird objective in a, in a weird way freed me from having to ever be one thing. So you get why I have this duality, why I have this push-pull of being a fan of genres, but not wanting to be confined by them, as again, we should feel with gender and all of that stuff. If this helps you understand where I'm coming from, and it's podfast, so this is a very quick episode compared to my other episodes. If this helps you understand, then you're a true music is not a genre fan. And thank you for sticking with me. Uh, I'm coming up on my 200th episode, if you count in a certain way. And so I'm going to celebrate that soon. And I hope you've been listening to as many of them as possible and will continue to listen. If what I have said confuses you or turns you off, then this may not be for you. Or it may be exactly what you need. It may be that thing that challenges you to think about music and the world, but particularly music, in a different way. And so I hope that excites you to stick with the podcast and music is not a genre and all of that stuff and me. And so to end every episode, almost every episode, I feature a song. And again, uh, this song that I'm featuring is a sampler from Rex's upcoming album. Uh, I don't think any of these will be uh, released as a single. Well, one of them might be released as a single this year. I'm not sure. But these represent the sixth, seventh, and eighth songs on the album. I've already sequenced the album even before I finished recording, which is something I've never done, and I love it. And those songs are called Wait, Too Rough, Rhythm 77, and Porch Step. And again, people on Patreon.com slash Music Is Not A Genre get to hear all of those songs in their entirety, as well as the first five songs in their entirety. I have I have let them hear all eight songs. I've let them see a copy of the cover as it stands now and the name of the album. They're the only ones who know it. So please stick around, listen to the sampler, uh, go to patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Please help support this podcast because I want to be able to continue doing it. I really enjoy it, but I can only do it if I can support it. And that's where you come in. And uh, as always, thank you for watching and listening. My objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. I appreciate you sticking with me with this. I'm going to say it real quick so that it, it can do what it wants because it's being very gentle today. Pod fast. And yeah, I don't mind that it's over my face right now because we're all done here. Thanks a lot, and I'll talk to you next week. Making plans to make plans that'll probably make a mess. Gonna give it up and go back to bed. And until the time I got nothing much to confess. And I'm stuck like that, so inside my head. Wait, hey, hey.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.